beginning a new series called Family Matters. And I'm convinced of this, that not only will today, will God speak specifically into your life situation, but God's gonna begin a wonderful journey that you're gonna want to be a part of as we continue this series in the coming weeks. Because what the resurrection of Jesus Christ has done for you, what the resurrection of Jesus Christ has done for me, is it has reset God's plan. And God's plan is all about relationship. It's all about you being connected with Him. About you doing life with Him. About He being intimately and individually involved in your life, involved in your day, involved in your journey. In, 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 Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 21, Jesus, in speaking to the religious people of His day, He he references a, an Old Testament, uh, a scripture that was written centuries before. He, he references Psalm 118. And this is what, what Jesus says in, in Matthew 21. He asks them the question. He says, um, are you not familiar with the scripture? Or are you not familiar with what some, Psalm 118 says? And it says this, the stone the builders rejected, that it has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. It is a, a marvelous thing in our eyes. And, and that, is, that is what Paul references in Ephesians chapter 2 when he makes this statement. He says, consequently, I love this, because of this. Now, therefore, you and I, we are, we are no longer strangers or foreigners, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and we are members of the household of God. I love that idea, that we are members of the household of God. That's what Easter means. It's the reason why we celebrate. Because in a resurrected Savior, our relationship with God, the opportunity to have right relationship with God is restored. And, and we are consequently, we are no longer strangers or foreigners. We don't have to live our life distance from God. But we can have this close and wonderful personal relationship with Him. And, and we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but we're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being that chief cornerstone. It's a reason to celebrate. It's a reason to rejoice. And to know this, that life can work in this, in this crazy world in which we live. And friends, we do live in a crazy world. We live in a crazy time. There are things that are unexplainable. Uh, there are some things that we would love to avoid that are unavoidable. And yet in the midst of it, here's what God says. He says that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. He makes this declaration, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. All things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. I want you to know this today. That life is not meant to be endured. That God has not called you to simply survive. And he's not even just called you simply to success. God's called you to live a life of significance. Right? Jesus made the declaration that I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. God wants you to live with a smile on your heart, a swing in your step. He wants you to live life with abundance. And that starts, it starts with having our relationships right. That's the reason why we wanted to, on Easter Sunday, we wanted to begin a 10-week conversation on family matters. 
family matters. Those things that matter to the family. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but my, my growing up experience, my, my church experience, uh, I, I didn't grow up in church. We would, we were, well, that's not true. We were faithful to church. We were faithful to church every Easter. Now, I know there, there are some of you uh, that you can relate to that because you are faithful to church every Easter. In fact, it's great to see you. I trust that you've had a great year, uh, and, and, and it's great to have you back. And I just want to encourage you, what you experience on Easter Sunday morning, we experience every Sunday. And so I want to invite you, encourage you, you, you will want to be back here next Sunday morning at, at 1030 uh, as, we begin, as we continue our series of Family Matters. But, but my, my family, we were, we were faithful uh, Easter Christians. We were there every Easter and uh, heard the same message over and over again, the same, the same message of the empty tomb. We've seen some in, interesting things right? We've seen uh, where, the, where the tomb was supposed to roll, where the stone was supposed to roll away, and they, they couldn't get the stone to roll. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen where in church where we wanted to have uh, Jesus, the risen Savior, rise and him get stuck halfway up, <laughs> right? Um, I know one person told me that they had a situation where uh, they were trying to get the, 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 the stone to roll away, and, and somehow a fire started on the stage. We're not going to do any of that this morning, um, Andy Gamble, our good friend in, in Derry, Northern Ireland, they had not live animals in their sanctuary this morning. And we're not bringing any, any live animals. Well, we've got a few live animals, and it's, it's great to have you here. <laughs> One of the things that I loved about Easter, I loved, I loved the fact that Easter was, Easter was one of the days that my family, we always dressed up, Right? So uh, my sisters got new dresses, the, the boys, we got, we got new, new outfits. Although there were those moments, um, my mother loved to crochet. Anybody here, your mom liked to crochet? Any men get a crocheted vest? <laughs> Ladies, let me, I, I don't care what your age is, just so you know, a crocheted vest is never a good look on a man. <laughs> it just isn't. But Easter was one, it was one of those special days for us, and, and it, was a, it was a family day. And, and I think there's something natural about that, because what Easter is, it is the restoration of God's order. It is the restoration of His family. And that's what, oftentimes, here's what happens. We get confused about what God's design is. And, and a lot of that is because we get we get caught up in some of the religious stuff. And because we have a tendency to want to control things, it's easy for us to shift away from relationship and, and, and view Christianity as conduct. And so for, for many of us, for many of us that are even here this morning, we, we operate in some misconception about what it means to, to, to engage with God. And what happens is it gets reduced to this. Don't smoke, don't dance, don't drink, don't chew, don't hang around with those that do, right? And we all know all of the rules and regulations, supposed rules and regulations that come along with Christianity. And in fact, a biggie is this, that idea of the Ten Commandments. It was actually, it was on TV last night. Charlton Heston as Moses, right? 
My favorite, Yul Brenner, when he looks at me, he says, where is your God now, Moses? I just, I, I, seriously, it, it brings chills. And, but Charlton Heston going, let my people go. And we all know this, by the way, if you've read your Bible, Moses was not a let my people go. Moses stuttered and was very uncomfortable with his speech, but Charlton Heston looks really good, doesn't he? Yeah. And he comes down off the mountain very serious, and he has these commandments, thou shalt not. For a lot of us, we heard that. We heard that in our childhood days. And that's our, that's our impression of God. Our impression of God is, thou shalt not. Big, ominous. Even maybe so far as being that big bloodshot eyeball in the sky, lightning bolt in the hand, waiting to smite all who are unholy. You will see no lightning bolts today. Because it's not God's character. And, and Easter is all about the reality of who God is. God demonstrated His amazing love. His amazing love. And that while we were yet very far from Him, what, what, what can be defined as being sinners, that God sent His Son for us. And He, he, he became the ultimate sacrifice, and then He conquered death, hell, and the grave, that we might be able to freely walk in relationship with God. And, and listen, when we understand that, hopefully our, our perspective also changes. My view of the, of the Ten Commandments, when I, when I know who God is, that perspective changes. See, when God gave the Ten Commandments, it, it was not about do's and don'ts. It, it was about, it was about help, having healthy relationship. In fact, the, the first three of the Ten Commandments, they have to do with your relationship with God. And the reason for that is our relationship with God is of paramount importance because it will determine the depth, the health, the vitality of every other relationship. You see, if your relationship, if your vertical relationship, if the relationship between you and God is not right, there's gonna be tension in all of your horizontal relationships, in all of your earthly relationships. And so God's, God's deal about God being first is not because he's this big egomaniacal being, it's because he understands that this is the way he designed you, this is the way he designed all of creation, and it's the way that it works, that our relationship with him would be right first. And so the first three of the Ten Commandments, they have to deal with our relationship with him. Then the fourth commandment, it's kind of a bridge commandment. It has to do with our relationship with Him and our relationship with one another. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's about making sure that things are right with God and right with one another because Scripture tells us that we're supposed to, for, that we're supposed to not forsake the gathering together of the brethren as some are in the habit of doing. We're not going to talk about that habit today because I don't want anybody to feel guilty. And then those last six commandments, they have to deal with how we interact with one another. But it starts. And your, your connection, your relationship with first with your, with, your, with your heavenly father and then with everyone else 
It starts with this foundational principle that Jesus makes available to you and to me through the work that he did on the cross and through the empty tomb. Consequently, Ephesians says, you are no longer strangers, foreigners, aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and you're members of God's very household. The stone which the builders rejected, Jesus has become the cornerstone and it is the foundation upon which everything works, all of life works. And here's what Jesus says. He says, don't allow anything in your life to have a higher priority than your connection with me. Don't allow anything in your life to have a higher, a, a higher priority than your connection with me. It, 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 this, is how we, this is how we more often hear it communicated. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, we know this. Hopefully, hopefully we all know this and we can, we can understand this and embrace this, that there, there is no other God. There is but one God. Jehovah is his name. Okay? There is but one God. Now, now I understand that there are, and it, it, would, it, would be, it would be politically correct today to say, listen, you have your version of truth, I have my version of truth, and who's to say what is true? Who's to say what is reality? Because it's okay if you believe differently and I believe differently, as long as I embrace what you believe and accept what you believe, and you accept and embrace what I believe. I have... At, at the risk of sounding rigid, I have some difficulty with that. And here's the, I think, the quintessential example of that. If today, if you were to be standing in front of a train, and if you sincerely believe if that train hits you that you will not be injured, you will be sincerely incorrect. <laughs> Does anybody struggle with that? Anybody question that? And one of the amazing things about this issue of 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 Christianity and what separates the one true God that we serve is this. It's Easter. It's Easter. See, you can argue whether or not you think the Bible is, is divinely inspired. I, I personally believe that the Bible is divinely inspired. But you can argue and say, I don't believe the, the Bible is divinely inspired. Cool with that. You could even argue and say, I don't buy this whole virgin birth thing. All right, I do. You, you, can, you, can, you can argue that whether or not the earth was created in a literal six days or whether it was a figurative six days. Now, I, I will tell you, I believe that when the Bible says that the earth was created in six days, I believe that. I believe that it was a literal six days. But if you don't, cool. All right? Because the simple truth is this that our, our fundamental basis is not determined by those things that people love to get sideways on and argue. Here's the one thing that matters. The one thing that matters is this. Did what the Apostle Paul spoke about 25 years 
after Jesus' resurrection did what Peter spoke about 120 days after Jesus' resurrection, did what the Bible says over and over again, did what every historical find that, that continues to happen even in 2019 consistently supports no historical find, no archaeological find has ever refuted this fact that Jesus died on a cross and on the third day rose from the grave. And so it is undeniable. So when Jesus says, I am the cornerstone, you can count on that. And when God declares, don't allow anything to be a priority in your life greater than me. Don't have any other gods before me. What he's talking about are not true gods. He's talking about things that we make into gods or false gods. And it's so easy for anything to become a god, isn't it? It's easy for our career to become a god. It's easy for a relationship to come, become a god. It's easy for an experience to become a god. It's easy for stuff to become a god. And God says this, anything that you put above me in your life is going to be a pressure point. Let me illustrate that for you. If you're here this morning and the big thing that drives you is money, if you've put money in front of God, it's a pressure point for you. It's a stressor for you. Sir, that's why you're losing your hair. I'm just here to help you out. Okay? You don't need Propecia, you need Jesus. Any relationship that you put before God, you've made, that, you've made that a God in your life, and it's going to be a pressure point for you. Ma'am, you're chasing that guy. He is an idiot. If he can't see the value that you are, let him go. Let him go. I'm not going to sing the whole song, but let him go. Right? And here's what happens is we hold on to these things that they're, they're, they, they become, a, they become a, a, a priority for us and as a result become a pressure point for us. And here's what's really cool. When we put Jesus as the highest priority in our life, when we put our relationship with God as the highest priority in our life, now not religion, because religion is a whole different thing, but when we put our relationship with God as the highest priority in our life, what we find is this, is it doesn't create pressure for us, it creates freedom. Freedom. It really does. See, most of the time we get sideways on this religion thing. It, 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 it's about religion. It's not about what God says in his word. Even as, even as people twist even like things like the Ten Commandments and make them into rules and regulations rather than guardrails that God has given us, principles that he's given us to help life work. Okay, so let's, let's do this real quickly. Let's unpack this idea of you shall have no other gods before me. Do you know what? Every decision you make, Every decision you make is a decision of the heart, the mind, and the will. Every decision. Every decision you make is a decision of the heart, the mind, and the will. If you're going out to, you're going out to a restaurant for lunch today, when you sit down and you open up that menu, what you decide to eat is going to be a decision of the heart, the mind, and the will. Whether or not you get up tomorrow and go to work is a decision of the heart, the mind, and the will. Every purchase that you make is a decision of the heart, the mind, and the will. At some level, we engage the heart, the mind, and the will. And the, and the biggie is this issue of the heart. The vast majority of decisions that we make, they start emotionally and they're backed up logically. Now, 
it, it, if, if, you've, if you've had sales training, if, you have, if you've had marketing training, this is one of the first things that they teach you, is they teach you that people make decisions emotionally and they back them up logically. Now, there's likely somebody sitting next to you that right now they're going, that's not me. That's not me, okay? And you need to look at them and go, yeah, right. Like you are the biggest emotional glob of goo that I've ever seen. Like you think you're not emotional, but we all know, right? And in fact, they're a little irritated even by the idea right now because their emotions are getting kind of worked up, right? So how dare he say that I'm an emotional person? I'm not emotional. I've never been emotional. In fact, don't even, say, don't even look at me. Makes me sick. <laughs> Listen, if that's the person next to you, don't pick on him. If that's you, just accept it. But we do, we make, we make every decision, every decision is a decision of the heart, the mind, and the will. And so here, here's, what, here's what the wisest person that ever lived said, this guy named, by the name of Solomon. If, if, if you know the story, some of the Bible stories, you know the story of David and Goliath, okay? David eventually becomes the king of Israel. And then, and then after David, David's son Solomon becomes king. And it is, it is said that Solomon was the wisest man to ever live. In fact, Solomon wrote a number of the different, the different subsections of the Bible, okay? So the Bible is one book made up of what's 66 sections, and they're oftentimes referred to as 66 books. And, um, and so, uh, and, and he wrote a couple of those, and one of the biggies he wrote is this book called Proverbs. In fact, if you're, if you're thinking, boy, I'd like to start reading the Bible, I think I think I think I want to check out this Bible thing. Let me tell you a great place to start. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. They're not really big, like three or four minutes at the most to read a chapter. And there are 31 days in a lot of the months, 30 and some of the others, 28 in February, I know. Anyway, uh, if you take the day, so like today is the 21st of April, read Proverbs 21. Tomorrow, get up and read Proverbs 22. And here's what, you can, here's what you'll find. You can do that the rest of your life. And those Proverbs that you read on that day, man, they will give you incredible wisdom and insight into the challenges and into the opportunities that you have in front of you. But in Proverbs chapter 3, Solomon wrote this, I think what it's a, a powerful scripture. In fact, it's one, of my, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And it helps me to understand, it helps us to understand really well this whole idea of every decision, the decision of the heart, the mind, and the will. And here's what he said. He says this in Proverbs 3, starting in verse number 5. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path, or he will make your path straight. And what he's speaking about is he's speaking about this issue of the heart, the mind, and the will. The heart, the mind, and the will. Because it starts with these emotional issues, doesn't it? Life, getting life to work and getting the relationships to work, it starts with the emotional issues. And, and here's what we're encouraged to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In a group this size, it is inevitable that many of us, we walked into the room this morning with some, with some things that are heavy on our heart. 
We've got this relationship issue that's, that's, that's just tugging at us. We've got children that are, that are journeying down a path that, that doesn't sit well with us. We've got, we've got tension in our job, in our workplace. There's just, there's this, this emotional stress, even potentially emotional trauma. And every decision that you make, it starts with the heart. And the best way, listen, the best way to bring resolution to that heart tension that you have, that heartache that you're experiencing, is to trust in the Lord with all your heart. So the first and most important question that I want to encourage you to answer this morning is this, how's your heart? More specifically, is your heart right with God? Is your heart right with God? Because if I don't resolve those emotional issues, what I'm going to find is this, is life is going to be at best a perilous path. And in fact, God brought, sir, God brought you here this morning. Man, God brought you here today to settle your heart. In fact, all across this room right now, there are people that are experiencing God knocking on the door of their heart. You'll hear children talk about asking Jesus into their heart. Why? Because every decision that you make is a decision the heart, the mind, and the will. And it starts with the heart. So is your, is your heart right with God today? How's your heart? I mean, once we, once we settle that, once, once our heart is right, we... We also, we, we've got to address those, those mental issues as well. It's fascinating to me. People love to debate religion, don't they? People want to argue. And you know what's curious to me? There, there, are, <laughs> there, there, there are so many folks that I talk to that they want every single question about God answered before they're willing to say yes to him. And, and, and here's, here's why I find that fascinating, because there are so many things about so many aspects of life that I will never be able to understand. Let me give you an example. I, I don't understand why it is when I take something out of a package, and I know that I've taken it out of that package. When I want to put it back in the package, I don't understand why it won't fit back in that same package. It makes no sense. It all came out of there. Why can it not go back into that same? It's, it's, it's insane. Well, it drives me insane, right? I mean, there, there are things that I will never be able to understand. Do you, you ever find yourself in that situation where you're questioning something and, and an individual wants to explain it to you? And first of all, you know as they're trying to explain it to you that they don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> and you just want to look at them and go, you know what? It's good. It's, seriously, it's good. I'll tell you another thing I'll never understand. I will never fully understand women. Come on. I've got a 24-year-old daughter. 
Jody and I, my wife and I will be married 34 years in July. I still, I'm like, I don't get it. Like, seriously, you, and I understand that probably about 50% of the room here are women. I don't, I don't, I do not understand you. I love you. I mean, I mean, I love my, I love my, not like I love my wife, let me make that clear, but I love you, but I don't get it. I mean, there's just so much of the way that you function, the way you're wired. I don't get it. And I know you look at me and you go, it's okay, pastor, because we still can't figure you out. I understand. Seriously. And, and I'm okay with that. Because I will tell you this, I know enough about my wife that I every day I put my hand in her hand and I say, I am so thrilled to be doing life with you. I, I, love, I love spending time in this book. Um, it really is a fascinating book. And I have been... I have been a, a, a Christ follower. Uh, I, I became a, a Christ follower in 1981. I have been a, a pastor, a full-time vocational pastor since 1988. I've been a, a full-time lead pastor, meaning that I have the responsibility for the entirety of the church since 1998. And there are still things that I learn every day, new things I learn every day, and there is there's so much about God that I don't know and that I don't understand. And, and I realize this. I realize there's some of it that I'm never going to be able to figure out. Do you know why? Because God's so much bigger than I am. But here's what I've come to grips with. Are you ready? I don't have to understand how the fuel injection system on my car works to trust that it can get me home when I'm done here. I know enough about that car to know that I get in that car, I press that button, no longer a key, even that part kind of freaks me out, but press the button, the car goes, right? And even now, even now, the car, if I start to drift lanes, it'll shove me back into my lane. There's a lot about God that I don't understand, but you know what I know about God? As I, as I embrace Him, we go together. And sometimes when I'm drifting, He'll shove me back into the lane. And so, I don't lean on my own understanding, but I'm thankful that God says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I, you don't have to trust God blindly. God never asked you to trust Him blindly. He simply says this, there are things about me that you will not understand, but I will reveal enough of who I am to you to make it easy for you to walk in relationship with me. And you, you, listen, you will not today, you will not have all your questions about God answered. But there, here's what I'm confident of. If you will open up yourself to God, He will reveal enough of Himself to you that it will be easy for you to say yes to Him. And then along the journey, you'll learn more and more and more about Him that will, that will help you to see that relationship grow deeper and deeper and deeper. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Let Him be first. Don't get caught up in, in, in the mind games. 
that come naturally to us and then, then also are influenced because just as there is, just as there is a God, this great advocate that you have, there's also this adversary, Satan. And Satan loves, the, the, the battleground that Satan loves to play in is the battleground of the mind. And he'll put all kinds of crazy thoughts into your head. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Decision of the heart, decision of the mind, decision of the will. In everything I do, God, I want, I want your presence in my life to be apparent. I want it to be true in the activities of my day. I, I want it to be true in the attitudes that I express. I want it to be true in the relationships that I engage in. In everything I do, God, I want your presence to be evident. And here's what, here's what the wisest man ever lived said. He said that if you do that, then your life will work. Can I ask you a personal question this morning? What's that area or areas in your life right now that if, if you were to be honest, and not even so much honest with me, honest with yourself, what's that area or areas in your life that's not working? That that aspect of your day that's a stress for you. That's a major pressure for you. Now, as you identify that, let's ask this honest question. Does it have a higher priority than God? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make an assumption that it does. Because you know what I found? I found that in my own life and in these 20 years of, of serving as a lead pastor and dealing with tens of thousands of people, that it's almost universally true. That those stress areas, they're stress areas where I'm trusting in something other than God. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out on my own. I'm, I'm walking a journey where God is at best in the margins and not in the center. And, and, and as a result, life has this disconnect. And God says this. He says to a world that drifted very far from his plan, I love you. And I have, a, I have a restoration plan for you. One of the, one of the fascinating things that happened when, when Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus went to the cross, at that time there was a, there was a, 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 a place that was, that, was, that was reserved as the place where God dwells. And, and sometimes in, in, in the history of God's people, it was in a tabernacle, which was a, 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 a temporary place that kind of moved when God's people moved. But in, in the days of Jesus, it was a large, ornate building, a temple. And in this temple, there was, a, there was an outer court, there was an inner court, there was the holy place, and then there was the holy of holies. And the holy of holies was the place where God's presence 
was, 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 was understood to be, where God's presence was, where God's presence was felt. And there was this massive, heavy curtain that separated you and me from God's presence. But that was never God's design. God's design wasn't that we would have this distance from Him. God's design was that we would do life with Him, that, that He would be very much involved in, in all of our day. So when Jesus, when Jesus was on the cross, Jesus went to the cross at about 9 a.m. At 12 noon, sky went dark. At 3 p.m., Jesus cries out, it is finished. And when Jesus cries out, it is finished, there was a, there was a massive earthquake, and, which, is, which, is, which is easy to believe because of who God is. It's also easy to believe because Jerusalem is on a major fault line. And, and there was this massive earthquake and, and this curtain in the temple, it was torn from top to bottom as a statement that God made that no longer is man separated from me, no longer is mankind, men and women separated from me, but I'm reestablishing this relationship. And I want to have that place of priority in your life because I want to be involved in your day to help all things work together for good. I want to bring blessing into your life. I want to bring wisdom into your moments. I want to bring peace into your stress. I want to bring healing to that which is broken. I want to provide for every need. I want to see the fruition of every dream. Here's how that happens. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.